I'm first generation. I'm the first of my family to one of the first to be born here in the U.S. So we come from like a very um, traditional background. So we'll have like, you know, multiple dogs or they were backyard dogs. And, you know, that's kind of how we kind of had our pets. I think that that started changing as we started. I started growing up more. My mom also wanted to change how that was kind of handled. We started getting our dogs indoors. So that means that we had to start teaching them how to live indoors with us, teaching other people how to handle the dogs indoors with us. So I think that made such a huge impact. Uh, when I wanted to volunteer at the shelter, my mom was the one like, yes. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, certified dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today Vivian Pineda, who is a certified dog trainer and lead trainer of the Puppy and Team Program at Impetus uh, Animal Training in Las Vegas. She's the guardian of two chihuahuas and a border collie slash kettle dog mix, and she runs group classes for puppies, teens, parkour, nose work, and trick training, along with being an AKC evaluator for Canine Good Citizen, Star Puppy, Trick Dog, and Fit Dog programs. Hi, Vivian. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So how long have you been a dog trainer? I have been a certified trainer since 2018. I completed my Materia Stillwell um, certification in 2018. So since then, I have um, been working with dogs. I started off mentoring under Veronica Selko, who is the owner of Impetus Animal Training. And since then, I've just been um, working with a team under her, with her. And before that, I kind of was maybe after college a little bit in 2015, I began working with dog daycare, dog sitting, pet sitting, uh, dog walking. I used to do, I guess, like pack walking, pack hikes, pick up dogs and take them over to uh, Mount Charleston over here and just walk dogs and in a way it was kind of like people were asking me how do I do this how do I do that and that's when my manager when I was working at the dog daycare she said hey are you interested in being the dog trainer here and I said sure <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing but I can give it a try and luckily there were enough resources for me to find out what I kind of wanted to do for dog training and what I did not and that's where that whole positive reinforcement direction kind of started going for me I didn't really know what kind of methods or perspective I was kind of given at the time when it first started but I made my decisions and I am a certified horse free trainer now. So yeah, that's that's kind of how it's going. I could go into more detail. Yes, I want to dissect a little bit. Yeah. So for people who don't know who Victoria Stillwell is, how would you describe Victoria? So I knew Victoria Stillwell from her show, It's Me or the Dog. My mom actually was the one who would watch 
she's a huge animal lover and that's kind of where I got my I guess my love for animals in general not just dogs and she would watch the show and it was I actually saw that show before I saw The Dog Whisperer. Uh-huh. So I never even, you know, uh, that was what I would see is her. And she is a British animal trainer. And she had this TV show. And she came off of like this really like, um, I don't know if we can, uh, this badass, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, uh, female trainer working with these aggressive dogs and you know getting with these people and she was kind of sassy so I enjoyed that and then she is yeah she created her own school so you know you can choose between like Karen Pryor, Jean Donaldson, you have the CASH program, you have ABC and there are so many um, different schools that you can uh, go to and I chose Victoria Stilwell. And the reason why that too, funny enough, the dog daycare that I worked for, they promoted a lot of her information. Oh, wow. Yeah, they really did. So I I was really lucky that, you know, they were, um, that I was given those resources that they're trying to train up trainers to, to, you know, be on a more, um, in that approach, in that positive method approach. Yes. Positive reinforcement against kind of that. Caesar Milan dog whisperer like alpha mentality but I did start you know I the pack walking and pack hikes is more of the um Caesar Milan you know kind of method and alpha theory and that's how I started you know um I didn't know any better or I didn't know what I was doing at the time I did see that it kind of worked I didn't question too much of it until you know, trying it on my dogs, (laughs) I didn't find that it was very reinforcing for me. It actually made me feel crappy (laughs) doing it on my dogs. And then not just, even when I was working with other people's dogs, I feel like I had a limit. I could never push a dog to the point where I was like, okay, I have to go harder or, or be stronger, be more dominant. And even though the person I was learning from at the time gave me lots of great tips and I learned a lot from where I started and that helped me come out to over here. Would you kind of consider yourself in that crossover? I would say yes, because I would give that a lot of my handling and leash skills and I got really great at handling, you know, handling multiple dogs, handling dogs in general, reading body language. But I also feel like that leash handling and relying so much on tools and equipment has made, has been my most challenging part of being force free because I know I can and I know it can kind of work, but I don't want to do that. Right. So just making sure that I, I'm sticking to what I'm committed to and making sure I don't go back and thinking, oh, well, what if I try, you know, a little correction or a little pop or, you know, just do this. And so I do kind of consider and I'm still working on it every day because I always want to be this better, this better trainer, this better thinker, this better uh, dog guardian. Yeah, better person that people hire. So, yeah, I do consider myself kind of a crossover. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was, I said, interesting when you said that you didn't find it reinforcing because usually it's the opposite way that you, that it's very reinforcing. And I don't know if I would consider myself a crossover trainer, but I did use more of that. Cause when I got started as a training my own dog 10 years ago, 
Caesar Milan was the person that I found. And there was a lot that didn't make sense. But what was helpful was thinking, okay, dogs don't think like us, like starting there. But I did kind of accept this idea, like, yeah, I got to show him I'm the boss, like I'm in charge. And I see the fallout from that mentality, even 10 years down the line, as he's 10 years old, and I have two other dogs, my relationship with my two other dogs is so much better. And they're so much more responsive to me than the one that I really, I failed him in a lot of ways. It's hard to say, though, and I totally understand where you come from, but mm-hmm. I'm sure like like me, like you, you've been working really hard on building that up, right? Yes. So, yes. But that's kind of the nice thing is that without them, we wouldn't know where we would be or could go. Yes, and I think it would be a lot harder to be compassionate towards people doing some similar stuff or where they're starting to. I think if all I'd known was a certain training style, it would be a lot harder for me to understand how people would get there. But then we also have to look at our society and our media and what's pushed out there. And what's pushed out there is dominance, alpha, you're in charge, even though science is very clearly staying, telling us that there's no backing for that, really. You are absolutely right. And I am, I do, you know, before back then, it used to be a very like, what do I believe? Or even though the science is there, it's like, but why isn't everyone else following it? And why is it so, why am I getting so much pushback? And, you know, the more I started learning, the more practice I got, the more confident in my skills I got, it made it more clear. But even to this day, it's like, we don't really have, um, I think similar to you, you don't have too many positive reinforcement force-free trainers in your area. And that's, definitely goes the same for us I believe sit means sit originated here in Vegas right and maybe but we do definitely have um you know we have a lot of companies like that so um where there aren't too many um places but so when we get clients that you know come from these areas you're right it makes me more compassionate I was just talking I was on a live on Instagram with my friend Kylie and we were talking about kind of these little pet peeves that we have but at the same time it's like if people are willing because we were out there at some point we had this mindset if people are willing to just be open being coachable you know us not being judgmental putting too much pressure then we can reach more people that way you know at the end of the day it's just what's best for the dog and the humans yes right yeah, the the human half of dog training is a book that really goes into all that aspects and just understanding because a lot of it comes from that's why I try, try to talk about things like embarrassment, fears, frustration, a lot of how all of us humans behave is based in some sort of emotional response. And I still do it even as a dog trainer who's aware of this. If my big dog, Rosie embarrasses me when we're out and about my big temptation is to, to like punish her for that. Like you've embarrassed me. How dare you? And so when we understand that and you can have compassion towards that and work with people and dogs where they are, it's so much easier to move yes. forward. We're so human. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you bring that up because I just um, adopted a, my, 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 my hoarding dog mix. I, I don't know what she is yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you um, called her like a little yeah border collie cattle dog thing. Like She's yeah, not- I, I truly don't know what she is. She's just a little thing, but I will find out soon. Well, anyway, I love that you bring that up. And even for my little dogs, but I have had chihuahuas. I've had little dogs and I can't wait to kind of dive into that topic. But, you know, people consider them yappy and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, hard to train. And 
that, that goes for any any dog but now i didn't really mind when they barked it was pretty easy to redirect but now i have my my kind of medium dog and her bark is like <laughs> it's deep and it's big and it can be scary and she barks at things that scare her that she's like whoa what is that right and my automatic thing when she barks is like well please stop barking <laughs> and by the way I live in an apartment <laughs> oh so I yeah and I'm you know I manage my dogs and I want to make sure I'm courteous to other people but sometimes I'm like why am I getting so worked up that I'm getting my dog worked up just because I think that I shouldn't let my dog bark or because she's barking she's barking because she's scared but I'm also don't want people judging me because I let my dog bark or they're barking but like why do we care it's a dog you know it's that's what they're going to do. And that's it. So, and plus when you have the, the background of people might think, no, you're a trainer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's how your dog acts. It's like, yes. well, I'm just like you, right? We're just like anybody else. We're just working on it. It's like everyone else. Right. Yes. So yeah, I totally, I absolutely agree with what you said. It's a little easier for us in terms of we often know where we're going. And if we don't know where we're going with our own dogs, we can get help to get there. But I still struggle with that too of, oh, they're watching me. They're judging me. I've only had my third dog since April. And I was telling another trainer friend that I'm so annoyed. I have to get to know her. <laughs> like I'm so annoyed <laughs> that it's taking time to get to know this dog. I've only had a few months. <laughs> and it does take time. It, it does. does. It, and you have to work with them and we're working on it. So I need to give myself grace and her grace as we get to know each other and figure it out together. That's exactly it. Yeah. With this doggy, it's just been working on things. And, you know, I have some people that have been meeting her and they're like, oh, she doesn't know sit. I'm like, we're not really working on mm -hmm. it. And she doesn't necessarily perform it to the T every single time that someone asks her, but if you can hold up a treat, she might. And if she doesn't, it's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really the most important thing for us right now. We're building a relationship, you know, and getting her used to the routine. My goal for her is to be my dog that I take to, to the facility, you know, and she has, we've been working on that. I want her to be comfortable being kenneled when dogs bark, she doesn't bark, you know, that she's just calm, she's comfortable. And then we're going to play. And I just want her to get used to that first car rides. Noises in the apartment complex. You know, we're not really working on the obedience and not having her sit for everybody, but definitely don't want her jumping on people quite yet. <laughs> right. You know, okay. so yeah, definitely getting to know our doctors. Yes. And it, yeah, I try to tell people like those that are in a relationship, I'm like, you didn't get to know your spouse overnight. Like, you're not going to learn your dog overnight. And I see a lot too of people that get a puppy and then they have a much older dog. <laughs> like it wasn't this hard with the older dog. I was like, that was 15 years ago. <laughs> Remember everything from 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. People who forget that what having a puppy is like. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, you know, same thing for me. It happens to me too. Well, I'm so glad you found Victoria Stillwell. I know she's one of the rare ones of positive reinforcement trainers who are actually public in the media because with positive reinforcement training, it's not always as flashy as other methods. So I know she's one of the rare ones that was able to go man mainstream like that. Yeah, and I remember in conversations with her, you know, she would mention, she's like, there are a lot of things that she wishes that she would have done differently, even in her show. 
because it's not, it wasn't always depicting that picture of what she wanted or how it really went. But it's hard. It's hard. You're exactly right. It's hard to make things flashy for people to want to see it, but not go against like, you know, your ideas, your ideals. So um, she did make that clear that that was pretty tough. But she still has her show going, I think. Oh, I didn't realize it was still on the air. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I think she still has a few like more newer episodes. So I haven't seen okay. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and you mentioned your mom and getting yeah. your love of animals from your mom. How did that impact you as a kid seeing your mom love animals so much? Yeah, definitely. So I'm very lucky. I know some, like I've heard some people that they started working with dogs when they were older and they never had dogs growing up. I had lots of animals growing up. I think that stemmed from being an only child. <laughs> so um, I've had bunnies, I've had turtles, ferrets, hamsters, gerbils, you know, I just had different animals, always dogs from chihuahuas. We had a massive mix growing up, Labradors and American Eskimo, German Shepherds. My family is, I'm first generation. I'm the first of my family to, one of the first to be born here in the U.S., So we come from like a very um, traditional background. So we'll have like, you know, multiple dogs or they were backyard dogs. And, you know, that's kind of how we kind of had our pets. I think that that started changing as we started. I started growing up more. My mom also wanted to change how that was kind of handled. We started getting our dogs indoors. That means that we had to start teaching them how to live indoors with us, teaching other people how to handle the dogs indoors with us. So I think that made such a huge impact. Uh, when I wanted to volunteer at the shelter, my mom was the one like, yes, because I wasn't, oh, you know, under your 18, you have to have an adult with you. My mom supported me in those things. And that's kind of, I do give her a lot. I do have a lot of gratitude for that. That made me where I am today. I didn't know. I did say I always wanted to be a vet growing up, but my high school was actually based on public service. So law enforcement, EMS, you know, they did a whole uh, crime scene investigation kind of major. And then when I went to college, I ended up majoring in vet med and biochemistry. So I wasn't quite sure because I was just like, I don't know what what I want to go into. Maybe more science Do I want to do veterinary medicine? And then I decided to <laughs> go into business after that. So I was kind of all over the place, you know, and I couldn't quite decide. But that's really smart, though. I my mentor, where I, who I learned dog to dog train from, she went did marketing in in college, and then got scooped up by a trainer when she took a class because he saw some natural ability in her. So I feel like business is very much in line with what you're doing and is very, very helpful as a dog trainer. It really is. It is. And working with people, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I have had people ask me, like, I want to start training dogs. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, like, can I um, work with dogs? Can I do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can. You got to start talking to people though. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get more, go more open in that aspect. Yes, you're going to need a lot of skills with working. They're like, I hate people. I don't want to work with them. Like, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. I do with people all the time. (laughs) I don't really get to always pet the puppy or play with the puppy. But when we do get to that point, yes, it is awesome. But I love, I love working with people. And I have learned that um, 
you know, throughout college, through volunteering, through all of that, it's all about people. So a um, little tangent there, but after college, um, that's kind of where I started. Um, I went into a financial job and then that's where I kind of realized, I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't, even though I was working, I was working at a financial office. I was working in a dog daycare and I was like, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to work with that. I don't want to be in this office. I want to work with animals. And I just went all the way in. And that's why I decided to go get my certification and never turn back after that. I'm very fortunate and blessed to say that 2019, when COVID happened, that's when I went full time <laughs> into a dog trainer. Yeah. I was always kind of working two jobs. And then now I'm like, nope, that's all I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And congratulations. That's such an exciting place to be. But that's when it happened for me too. Full-time was in 2020 of like left a toxic job, got on my own three months of no work and then boom, full-time. I know some people, you know, they were, they unfortunately lost their jobs and I'm like, no, I never stopped working. Mm -hmm. I didn't. People got their pandemic puppies. Yes. No one was traveling. So my summer classes were full too. We did masks, small numbers. And mm -hmm. then this summer is the first summer that people are like, goodbye. So everyone's leaving town. You no, know, that is so funny. That's for us too. You know, we're at a, we, we were at an awkward kind of slow season. Summer's always slow because of the travel, right? People are, are getting ready to go back to school or their kids are back to school, but they're out of school at the moment. They're not going to get new dogs, they're traveling. And so it is an awkwardly slow, slow pace right now, but it's starting already starting to kick back up. Kids are going back to school. <laughs> yeah, it's all happening. So it is a trend, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. So you've done some volunteer work. You worked as a dog walker, pet sitter, adventure hike, uh, hikes, doing the doggy daycare. So I was like, one of the questions I had was, how did you have time to sleep? Because you were full-time at the doggy daycare, right? Yeah, if not full-time, um, I was definitely more part-time. And then I did most, almost most likely have another job too. So yeah, I kept myself busy. And I think that that's just kind of how I've always been. Sleeping was definitely done, but I was ready for the next thing. You know, I've always been like that. So, and even now I think it's kind of nice again, going full time. I realized like, wow, I can't believe I used to do so much. You know, how did I take care of myself? How did I not burn out then? Because even now I'm like, I have to make sure that I get enough rest, that I'm planning my lunches, that mm -hmm. I plan time to relax and not burn out because now it's more of an emotional thing than like a physical thing, making sure that I'm available for my clients mentally, emotionally, and all of that. So at the time back then, I would say I was younger. <laughs> That's what kind of kept me. And then now I'm like, now that I'm older, I understand more of the pressure and, um, but I want to be, I want to be ready, you know, because I make time for trying to be active, active with myself, with or without my dogs, you know, both mentally and physically. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you do yoga. Yeah, I do yoga. I play soccer. I am on like indoor, some outdoor leagues that just, I just like to be active. Um, sometimes I play flag football just to be out. That's my social 
like that's how it can be social because it gets a little lonely being a dog trainer you know other than seeing like your clients but you're with your dogs or you're at home with your dogs you're working from home doing the administrative stuff so I would say getting out with group classes is kind of the way and physical stuff um, is kind of how I get to be social too. Awesome. So you also, you focus on kind of the younger dogs and then you're doing basically tricks and nose work. How did you narrow on those things to focus on as a trainer? So funny thing is as far as nose work, when I started my mentorship with Veronica, you know, they wanted you to get hands-on stuff with you know teaching behaviors and doing you know um, group classes and at the time Veronica just had a lot of nose work classes because she's a certified CNWI so um, nose work instructor through the NACSW and I am so grateful for that I mean everything just lined up in my journey it was really hard but a lot of it was just I was open to it and it worked out but starting group classes and watching dogs work naturally to find their odor to find their food whether in containers or in a room really taught me body language and then in handling you know handling skills and letting dogs do what they do best so that's where I started off was just doing a lot of scent work and then, you know, the easiest way at the time, we had our her clients that got a lot of puppies. So that worked out. So we did, I got to see a lot of puppies, puppies that I still see now that they're almost four, Aww. four or five years old. And when I saw them when they were so little, it's, it's amazing. The combination of that, teaching the group classes, diving more into it. I just fell in love with nose work. I had no idea about dog sports. I had never done dog sports. I have my dog that I had grown up with that I never intended I didn't know what to do with her but as I was mentoring with Veronica and then um, I decided hey one day I'm going to train my dog in scent work and we're going to title <laughs> and I, I admitted that to my to my class when we we're doing our certification and so far it's been going well okay. so we've dove into dog sports puppies come along and then finding out more about the teenager dogs, of course, with experience and with more education. I teach a group class specifically for dogs in adolescence, seven to 12 months. So only dogs in that age group can participate in there because a lot of the times, a lot of people are experiencing those similar issues. Their perfect puppies are not that perfect puppy that no. follows you around and sits every time and comes when you call them. So you know, now they're more independent. Now they're bigger and now they're stronger. And now they do these really quirky things and and managing through that. It's kind of great having a whole group that you can work on that. And then the people can commiserate together of all having the adolescent dogs. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I, I know that I need the puppy and team program but we do a lot of one-on-one sessions too. And I do work with a lot of uh, reactive dogs. You know, they're not dogs that maybe have a bite history, but they do have a lot of anxiety and fearful based behaviors. And that stems into them, you know, barking at people, barking at dogs. And most of the time, those dogs are young dogs. Mm -hmm. Those are dogs that are seven, 
months, almost two years old, you know, that they're just at that really difficult time and handlers, guardians are also having a really hard time. And I totally get it. I was listening to Michael Shikashio's podcast, The Body and Unleash, and his episode with, with Dr. Kathy Murphy, where they're talking about neuroscience. And she brings up how dogs in adolescence, you know, their brains just need a hug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she said this is what they need because there's just so much hormonal chemical stuff going on that we don't have control over and neither do they mm-hmm. right and I think that's kind of why it makes it hard but also I tell people I'm like kind of embrace that too because it's nothing that you're doing it's just having a teenage dog <laughs> Yeah. So I tell everybody, you're in survival mode until they uh, reach maturity. But right now, the best thing that you can do is keep them happy, keep them calm as much as possible, enrich them as much as possible, do fun and comfortable things, uh, things that they know. Try not to overexpose them or, you know, get them to meet every single dog again, like if they were a 12-week puppy, right? Because it's not that time for that. Mm-hmm. It's time to just keep them mellow you can keep them at home have some fun outings and that's it short and sweet training sessions do tricks do tricks do stuff like that and um the obedience stuff it will definitely come after if you don't have like a happy fulfilled dog teenage dog yeah forget about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's hard I have my teenage dog and I'm like <laughs> well, what are we gonna do today <laughs> we had a really great day yesterday though oh that's good a great day yesterday and you know I know everyone's so worried about like I need to get my dog exercise I need to do this I need to get her to run around I need to take her swimming every single day go on a walk and yesterday she didn't do much she actually rested a lot yesterday I was very busy um, she had to be in the kennel for um, my work day yesterday with potty breaks in between and chewies. And we get home, which usually she's a little more rambunctious, but she actually was chill. She was less mouthy. She just wanted to kind of play. She hung out. And I said, you know what? I try to tell people, like, make sure you're allotting time for them to rest. You know, it's not always go, 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 go. Yes. You know, ha- try to find ways to have them decompress, decompress at home, not always doing the most exciting and exciting thing that, you know, out and about. Yeah. And I try to remind people that has a health aspect too. If dogs are not, cause like people just want to, you know, knock the dogs out, like send them to doggy daycare for 10 hours, you, you know, do all the things all the time. And your, your dog's not going to be able to heal as quickly if they're not resting. It's going to be hard for them to learn stuff because they're always so active. And then you're not really getting like a good rest right. um, when they are resting. So Unless you're building that really strong dog that you're like, I can't handle yes. <laughs> Super athlete, right? Like it's right. just <laughs> the intense super athlete that never wants to stop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I, I, I love talking to people about this. I know it's hard though. I try to sympathize with them. I'm like, I get it. I get it. Just, just go through it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have to have you back on to, we'll delve more into teen dogs for sure. Well, Vivian, where can everyone find you? 
So uh, my dog's page, which I'm not very active, but I have started to be more active now, is chihuahuas dot and dot micheladas, because my dog's name are beans and cupcake are the chihuahuas. My herding dog, her name is Michelada. <laughs> and um, I'll be posting videos on there. I did do some little training games that we do together. If you want to follow the business page, we are Impetus Animal Training. We have, you know, we post a lot of tips on there, lots of videos, cute pictures, and we love connecting with people. So if you guys want to follow us, find me. I'm there on Instagram. Perfect. And I'll link that as well. I'll also link to the Impetus uh, website and any other social medias that you have too. Alrighty. So Vivian, I'm going to go ahead and do the little sign off. And at the end, I have one final question for you. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, certified dog trainer in Central Arkansas, and my guest today, Vivian Pineda. Music has been provided by Jim Chiago of 7 Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify and stick around for After the Music for some final advice from Vivian. Vivian, before we sign off completely, what advice do you have for someone who's considering becoming a dog trainer? I would say look into what trainers are in your area. Look at the certifications that they or experience that they have and look into what you have heard on social media. Write out what direction you want to go with that. And do you want to teach puppies? Do you want to go into sports? Do you want to work with people? Can you see yourself doing a group class and kind of start putting that all together to make sure that you pick the right choice to get yourself an education? I would say education is important. It's not accessible for everybody, but if you really want it, you're going to go do it.